Welcome to the Request 2021 podcast. In the winter of 2021-22, a team of 10 members of scouting, eight from Kent and two from Scotland, will be sailing together on the Bark Europa tour ship from South America to Port Lockroy in Antarctica. The plan is to sail exactly 100 years after two scouts sailed on Shackleton's original quest expedition. I'm Alan Noke and I'm project leader and I'm the person who came up with the whole crazy idea in the first place. Uh, Each of the participants is to carry out an Antarctic research project. So my personal project is to produce a soundscape record of our journey. That's before, during and after Antarctica. The plan is for this podcast to include interviews, scouting historical links, events uh, and research project work that we record along the way. So uh, please join us as we venture to Antarctica and back again on the journey of a lifetime. It promises to be a memorable experience. So, welcome to episode 19 uh, of the Request 2021 podcast. And this should be going out on the 1st of May, 2021. Uh, This episode, uh, there's a recording of when I went out and about around Kent, uh, delivering our Antarctica in an icebox resources. Uh, There's a few bits recorded at our sponsored Rowathon, and that's at the launch whilst uh, at the James Caird Hall in Dulwich College. Um, And then there is the request uh, interview with uh, Vanessa O'Brien. Now, Vanessa is a British mountaineer and an American mountaineer. Uh, She has dual nationality. Uh, She's an explorer. She's an aquanaut, an author and public speaker. Uh, Her achievements are are extensive. Um, Vanessa's the first woman to reach Earth's highest and lowest points. Uh, She has a Guinness World Record for summiting Mount Everest uh, in 2012 um, and diving in a submersible uh, to the eastern pool of Challenger Deep. Uh, That's uh, 10,925 metres back in 2020. Um, Vanessa became the first American woman to summit K2 and the first British woman to successfully summit K2 as a result of her dual nationality uh, on the 28th of July uh, 2017. And uh, she received the SES Explorer of the Year in uh, 2018 for her efforts. Uh, Vanessa proudly raised the UN Women's Flag at the summit of K2 Uh, to show the power of women's uh, courage and determination. So she also uh, received a Guinness World Record for summiting the seven summits. Uh, That includes Mount Vinson in Antarctica um, in 295 days. She's the fastest time a woman first achieved this goal. Um, And she skied the, the last degree to the North and South Poles completing the Explorer's Grand Slam in 11 months. So uh, it's a fantastic uh, um, story um, um, about Vanessa, and you can find out more in the interview. Okay, 
Um, so we're going to kick off uh, with when I was out and about around Kent delivering our uh, ice boxes, our resources that we've prepared um, with fun and educational resources all about Antarctica and uh, climate change um, and the wildlife of Antarctica. Okay. Right, it's uh, Sunday the 11th of April and I have a car full of Antarctica in an ice box, ice boxes and uh, Shackleton the Penguin soft toys and I'm heading off and I know it's about over 200 miles uh, to deliver them all around Kent. So I'm heading off uh, Folkestone Way down to Romney Marsh and uh, then I'm going to be going uh, up through Weald and Seven Oaks and Tunbridge, Tunbridge Wells, and uh, all the way up to Swanley and Dartford. And uh, going to get these ice boxes out to all the districts. And I hope uh, that uh, the Scout districts in Kent will get the benefit of these ice boxes, which is uh, our objective number five for the Request 2021 project. Uh, have any instances I'll uh, record them today but otherwise uh, just gonna set off now so it's about halfway through the day uh, I've delivered uh, nearly half the ice boxes now I think I'm just coming up to halfway and uh, I'm coming down into Seven Oaks and then I'm gonna be heading over to Swanley Dartford and then heading south again uh, so Really pleased uh, to, to see various people as I drop in the ice boxes off around Kent and uh, I think scouting looking forward to coming out of lockdown. Um, so uh, I'll continue on my way and give you an update later. Cheers for now. Well, I'm at the end of a, a great day going around Kent. Um, 17 uh, ice boxes delivered. That's all 22 ice boxes are out to the districts now. Um, great to speak to some of the DCs as I've been going around Kent and I hope all those resources get used uh, by the young people in the districts and uh, we've also got the penguin USB sticks that uh, people can buy to make up their own boxes that's great um, time to head home I think So those uh, resources are out and about now in Kent. Uh, we're also going to have our electronic version, uh, which is on a Penguin USB stick. Um, that's going to be available for people to buy at £10 each. Um, and on there, it tells you how to put together your own icebox of resources. Uh, plus, you get all the electronic resources uh, as well. Um, so uh, next up we have uh, a few bits that were recorded during our sponsored Rowathon launch. Here we go. Oh, so we're here at the James Caird Hall at Dulwich College and uh, I've just done my first 15 minute row. Um, there's about 15 of us from Kent Scouts and we're all doing uh, the rows in 15 minute slots. It's absolutely fantastic to be next to the original James Caird lifeboat 
So I'm walking up to Silas, who is uh, rowing at the moment, and Silas is just going to say hello to you on the podcast. Hello. Are you out of breath, Silas? Um, just a bit, yes. Yeah, doing well. Thank you so much for rowing for us today. Right. Cool. I'm going to walk around to Seb, and Seb's going to say hello. Hello. And uh, Seb, how, how far are you hoping to row today? A lot. A lot, yes. So uh, we're starting off the, the row uh, and we're trying to, over the month of April, complete the mileage uh, completed by the James Caird lifeboat, which was 800 nautical miles, which uh, equates to uh, a lot more normal miles, somewhere around about 900 and something, um, and also 1,500 kilometres approximately. So these two are rowing away. Well done, guys. And uh, I'm going to walk over to some of the other leaders who are here with us today. We've got David. David, do you want to say hello? Uh, hello. Uh, I hope you're enjoying watching us rowing. And please uh, go to our sponsorship page and contribute. Thank you. And we've got Helen from the steering committee. Hi there. Yeah, great day today. And Kathy from the team. Hi. Um, thanks for all listening. <laughs> cool. I'm going to go over to George, who is our uh, spreadsheet um, guy today who's uh, recording all the mileages in the spreadsheet uh, yeah no just trying to get them all to add trying to get them all to add up how, how, what mileage do you think we've done so far that's fantastic 21 miles so far and it is half past one so we've been going for an hour and a half 21 miles done a lot more to go all right uh, podcast interview is coming round. I'm just going to say, do you want to say your name and say hello? You're all from which uh, Explorer unit? Uh, 38th and 40th Strood Explorer Sea Scout unit. 38th and 40th Strood. Okay. Hello. Hi. Do you want to say hello? Hi. Right, you're on the, you're on the <laughs> request podcast. Hello. So these guys are all rowing for us today. Thank you so much for giving up your time. Uh, they've all been given a pack of top trumps, which seems to be keeping them going in the meantime. Hi. Say hello. <laughs> Say hello from the corner. Hey. Yeah, there we go. Right. Cheers, guys. Interviewing <laughs> and recording bits, and then I do a monthly podcast about the project. So. Um, so I'm with. Uh, would you like to say your name? So, yeah, yeah, yeah let's take, take it down. Yeah. Right. I'm Keith Lunton. I've been a member of the James Caird Society for about 20 years now, and as a result of joining the James Caird Society, I went to Antarctica and had an absolutely wonderful time. Well, fantastic! And you're here today to see what we're up to. I am. Um, it wasn't just a matter of supporting; it was a matter of seeing what was being done and being able to form an opinion for myself as to just what was happening. Oh, thank you, Keith. And, uh, so you've, you've come along, you've seen the scouts rowing, and uh, what's your opinion? Having watched them, I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's wonderful what they're doing. It's all for a very good cause, and I hope it succeeds. I hope that the, the pandemic doesn't get in the way of that. Oh, thank you very much. And we're, we're hoping that people are going to carry on rowing for us for the rest of April. And uh, we're, we're aiming to clock up the 800 nautical miles that uh, Shackleton originally rowed from Elephant Island all the way to South Georgia. So. Well, my support, I have to tell you, does not consist of rowing. I'm, <laughs> I'm past the age for doing that, I'm afraid. <laughs> thank you very much indeed. <laughs> Thank you.
So that's the Rowathon, which will be finishing uh, exactly uh, as this podcast has been uh, um, broadcast. So uh, I'm not yet sure whether we make it uh, for the for the whole um, distance, uh, but we're very very close. Um, and uh, I just want to thank everyone that took part in the Rowathon, um, and everybody, of course, who sponsored us. Uh, for the Rowathon and it's not too late if you want to sponsor the Rowathon uh, just go to www.request2021.org.uk and we'd love to have your support. Thank you. Right finally we have our interview with Vanessa O'Brien so uh, she's uh, had some incredible achievements and uh, she's going to talk all about those. Right cheers for now. That's right. That's right. So um, I had this crazy idea about seven years ago. You know the crazy ideas that you have. Um, I I picked up a very old um, antique book, a vintage book, and it was uh, about a scout who went to Antarctica back in 1921. Wow. Um, uh, So when Shackleton went on his last expedition, um, a couple of scouts got chosen to go with him. And uh, this this lad wrote a book. He was Scottish, and um, and I and I I got to thinking, and I thought, nineteen twenty one or twenty twenty one's coming up, and oh, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. And I thought this was this was seven years ago now, but you know, it twenty twenty one seemed a long way away at the time, but it's come very fast, and um, so I've basically spent the last seven years planning this uh, project. It's, it's more it's bigger than the expedition so our aim is to educate thousands of young people about antarctica um so we we uh, as well as the 10 of us that are going down there we're putting together these huge packs of resources to go out to all of the cubs and scouts and guides and uh, brownies all over all over the world so uh, to oh that's wonderful yeah. that's that's great. So uh, the idea um, is to teach them about climate change and to teach them about the environment and the wildlife and so on. So, yeah. Okay, perfect. And so, uh, so you're you're going? Uh, are you going on, on the turn of next year? Or are you going heading down? In so December? we we head uh, on the twenty seventh of December twenty one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you actually have it. You're you're a year away. That's so right. Yeah. Uh, it, it, very lucky we're a year away. I think at the moment, uh, we certainly wouldn't be going if it was this year. So uh, I'm hoping, big big fingers crossed and everything crossed that uh, you know we'll be in a position to go still next year. So yeah. 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 Right. No I one mean, knows. COVID's, <laughs> yeah. Covid's Covid's been uh, super tricky. It's been crazy. Um, yeah. You know, um, I, I just I managed to get to Guam, but uh, you know it was on a wing and a prayer. So okay, tell uh, me about Guam. Tell me, tell me what. So, so. Uh, well, no, no, just just very yeah. very quickly. Yeah, you know, that was uh, the deepest dive um, to the uh, Challenger Deep in the at the bottom of the Mariana. So Trench. that's that's the Mariana Trench. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that that was uh, that was just. It, it, it shouldn't have been has, it shouldn't have been as tough as it was because we okay. had the technology we had the submersible uh-huh. um, you know we had the ship yeah the, the submersible had made the journey before it was a two two man submersible but what yeah. made it tough really was um, 
our crew uh, for the ship uh-huh. had come from seven seven countries and five U.S. states. Oh, and God. so when oh, God. the U.S. president had a proclamation that said only essential workers could come to the U.S., well, Guam, Guam is U.S. territory. Okay. And technically, I was trying to make the, um, the case that we were in transit in Guam because we were going to Challenger Deep, which is Federated States of Micronesia. Uh-huh. So... You know, what made it a lot worse for us was that the USS Theodore Roosevelt had dropped off all those COVID-19 sailors, which infected Guam, a small, small whatever, uh, island. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the governor of Guam, um, who's, I guess, a a Democratic woman, was uh, very, uh, well, frankly, she, she just didn't want to take any risk of any, having anybody else come in. Okay, um, okay. And so what we had to do was uh, try, we, we all had to take tests and have them um, have negative results within 72 hours of landing. Whoa. <laughs> but all of us were coming from places that took about 72 hours to get there. Oh, no, oh, no. Oh, my. <laughs> so it was, it so was this really So it was politics know. got in the way, really, I suppose. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, it was. yeah or but, red tape. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you know, here, here's where some of those things can help you. Yeah. Now, in a case like that, it turns out when the president made a proclamation, uh-huh, saying only essential workers now here's what's great yep. nobody knew what that meant ah <laughs> you, are yep. you with me comes down to interpretation so, yeah correct yeah 100 yeah. percent. okay so in a situation like that where yeah. there's uncertainty it can go it can it can be in your favor or it can yeah. work against you yeah okay but then what your job is is to have every piece of evidence that can possibly convince another side right to be in your favor yes yes um and one of those is the airlines because Uh, the airlines let's say you get to narita uh uh-huh and you're about to transfer to guam yeah the airlines will say oh no no well i i'm not going to send you on that final leg because if they don't accept you in guam i have to i have to send you back on on, you know the airline's dime yeah yeah Yeah. their money Uh uh-huh and and you have to counter back and say, "Oh no, no! I already have a round trip ticket. This is not, this is not at your economic cost." Yes. Okay. So it's you basically play. You play into their game. Yeah. So you. Correct. Yeah. But you have to. You have mm. to be quick. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. You have to know all of those arguments immediately. Absolutely. So that yeah. you can just put out the fires. Every time something comes up, oh, COVID, got that. Here's yeah, the test. Yeah, oh, yeah. You have to pay for it if they send me back. Nope, already had a round-trip ticket. Great, um, You great. know, the governor of Guam's expecting me. Here's the letter saying, you know, as yeah, long as I have the COVID yeah, test, they're yeah. expecting me. You know. So it's just know, a case of staying one head, one step ahead, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so, so that, that was quite funny. But, you know, very, very quickly I figured out that, that people didn't know. And as long as there was uncertainty, there was gamemanship. Right. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, because there's, there's always uncertainty. So you just got to play into that and just, yeah. If they're, if they're not sure, then you can be sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so I... I will say I have been to Antarctica twice. Uh huh. And um, you know what? What I would say is yeah. it's, it's a beautiful continent. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, 
are, are you planning um, a particular part? Are you going somewhere like South Pole? So or... the, the, the biggest thing for us um, really uh, is that we're going to be sailing there on the Bark Europa, which is the, uh, the only tall ship allowed into Antarctic waters. So we're, okay. we're actually going to be part of the crew of the Bark Europa. So um, we're not doing an expedition on land per se. I mean, I think there will be opportunity to land um but we won't be overnighting on this on 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 the ice i'm afraid uh, it's very unlikely um but with the young people that we're taking uh, have all got a a research project to do um, oh, wonderful so the 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 idea is that all all 10 of us that go uh, do a research project so we've got we've got six young people between 18 and 25 um and uh, for them it's going to be you know a life-changing experience this you know um uh, really uh, to do something like that so young um is is really going to have we're hoping they become ambassadors for antarctica and for and for what it means um so that's the idea um and each of them has got very diverse projects you know we've got everything from very very technical scientific projects physiological projects right the way through to art and photography so we've got a, a lovely range of projects that they're doing um and uh, each each one of them is is gonna obviously bring the results of their project back and share it with with the community so yeah oh that is phenomenal okay so um whereabouts did you grow up then so i grew up uh, in in michigan which is the u.s state that looks like a a mitten, uh, uh, you know, a glove. So I, I like to say that um, one, just because it's a nice visual, and two, yeah. it, um, it 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 does have extremely cold, cold uh, winters. Absolutely. So, um, <laughs> so I, I knew the cold uh, from a very young age. Okay. And so, where did you go to school, university? Um... Yeah. So university um, was uh, New York University. Okay. So I had. Um, Actually, that came in a couple of different parts. So mm -hmm. I started um, with a community college, then I migrated over to New York, and then I eventually finished with a bachelor's degree in economics at okay. New York University. Okay. And then later, I went for my MBA um, yeah. uh, at uh, NYU at Stern School of Business. Mm -hmm. And those were all in different pieces, uh, primarily because I, I worked full-time while I went to finish university. Uh, okay, yeah. So, you know, I, I wasn't just a full university student. I was mm -hmm. working full-time. Mm -hmm. I finished my my um, my bachelor's yeah. at NYU undergrad, and then I was I joined General Electric, uh, GE. Uh, okay, yeah. Um, actually, in the days when they had GE Capital, which was a, a finance GEC, firm. GEC, yeah. yeah. And, and then... Um, they put me uh, through school and paid for my MBA program. Ah, great! Oh, it's lovely if you can get someone else to pay for it. Yeah. Oh my God! Was how how tied into you were? You, how tied into them were you for doing that? So, well, so it was interesting. I I was the first person uh, that they ever put to school. So, so let me try to explain this better. Uh -huh. um, 
I was I went through their internal MBA program, which they called um, financial management program FMP, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that was a two and a half year program. And in that program, what they did was they moved you every six months to a different business unit and in a different function. Oh wow! So you really got to see the whole organization. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. they had 20, 25 different financial businesses. Wow. If you can imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. All over all over the world what an experience um, wow yeah so it was yeah. phenomenal so yeah. i'd be in san francisco pennsylvania <laughs> you know all over the place every six months and in a different function so i might be um you know risk management i might be you know um you know operations or financial control or right. you know whatever right and so when i graduated from that i um i was working uh i think in, in the in the mutual fund side and I said, you know, I'm, I, I still have all this excess energy and excess, you know, curiosity and all this stuff. And, uh-huh. and I had a great sponsor. Yeah. And he said, OK, well, you know, if you want to if you want to try for your MBA, I'll put I'll put a request up to the That's CFO. Great. That's great. And I was the first person they ever sent. But it turns out that legally their legal counsel said that they couldn't really put like a, a collar around me to try to say I had to work so many years because right. it, it was ah. you can't. You can't really stop somebody's livelihood. Great. So basically, you got it as CP. You know, you got it as professional development. Yes. Yeah. Correct. yeah. But they had a great training school called Crotonville, where Jack Welsh himself would come in and teach every single yeah. person right. at least for one week, twice a year, and that those <laughs> skills were those skills were leadership. Wow. And so um, the company was very, very strong. That's why there's all those books on Jack Welsh about um, leadership principles. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And his big three were speed, simplicity, and self-confidence. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't, I can't read very, the books because very, I lived there too I was going to say, very, very relevant skills for exploring too. <laughs> yeah, perfect. They, they translated perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so your, how much of your career has been spent uh, on the financial side and how much of it, did, did, when did you become an explorer or did they, have they been going in parallel or, what, you know? What? Yeah, so, so as of now, I'd say... Um, I don't know if you take 30 years, um, 20 were really on the on the financial services side and uh-huh. 10 in exploration. Okay. Yeah. So, so you, so you really have sort business. of switched now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Two thirds business, one third exploration, but they've been, <laughs> been full time. So, okay. Okay. But, but I found that some things were transferable and some things were not. Right. And um, so... Uh, what what, the, what exploration taught me was that um, I could not control everything, mm-hmm. whereas business mm-hmm. teaches you that you must control everything. Right, yeah. And um, if you're not in control, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And when you're out in nature, um, you cannot control everything. And the sooner you learn that, the better off you are. Absolutely, yeah, um, yeah. And that's a hard lesson for a business person to translate. Mm-hmm. Um but I think the sooner you make peace with that, the better the better explorer you become. Mm-hmm. And then if you start to focus on the things that you can control, it, it becomes a much easier, um, you know, mm. Uh, mm. segue and, and you become more successful. Yeah, no, I, I have the, the little thing on my wall with the, you know, uh, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can and... The wisdom to know the difference that one yep, yeah that's a lovely, a i love lovely that phrase. sentiment yeah <laughs> yep 100 percent. so um and 
I, I noticed, I mean, you've done such an incredible array of things as an explorer, and, and yet you're only on your first book. Is this, is it, is it finally a case of, right, I need to write something down, or? <laughs> you know, the, the, the reason for the book was yeah. because it, it's, that, it's that thing about, you know, art imitating life, but uh, life is really funnier than, than art. Uh-huh. And when I came out of some of these situations, and I would, you know, sort of be you know laughing with my girlfriends over you know uh, <laughs> the, the odd the odd drink after the um after an expedition yeah you know people were like oh my god you can't make this stuff up yeah yeah you know it but but it wasn't just one time it was <laughs> over and over yeah. and over and over again and yeah you know and it was it was one of those things where it things happen that are just so funny right and you do need a sense of humor because Absolutely. otherwise, yeah. <laughs> you know, you will just, you'll have, you know, meltdowns and, you know, just all these things, you know, will just, you know. You it, don't, yeah, it, I, I've run a number of expeditions to Africa and they and particularly with africa you've just got to let things go sometimes and go with whatever happens because you can never you can never control everything you know so you you soon learn to get into that mindset of enjoy what happens rather than try and forcing things all the time you know correct uh, yeah it's it's some are situational some are you know like you know, enter stage right. Can we just bring this type of character in right now? <laughs> uh-huh. As if, and then you know, suddenly that character appears, and it's like, no way. It's like, oh yeah, you know, and and it's just it's these hilarious kind of things that just you you would say you would ma- you would be making it up if it hadn't happened. Uh-huh. And these things, types of things were happening all the time, and I thought, you know what? Um, it's just too funny. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and a little bit, some of it was even kind of like, um, like the secret, like if you wish it, it will happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and some of it was like uh, situational, like uh, if only, you know, a car would drive by right now, like if a car <laughs> drives by, you know, that kind of stuff. You've got, and, you've got to, you've got to write that book then. So, so, yeah, so, it was that kind of thing. So, that, so in, the, in the greatest heights, you're sharing some of that stuff, are you? Yeah. Mm. Oh, brilliant. Uh, I'll have to get that one. Another one for my library. <laughs> but the thing is, it's, it's, yeah. it's, in my opinion, it's a memoir, so it's yeah. funny. Yeah, I cool. wanted it to be funny. Yeah. I didn't want to write another, you know... I um, did this, I did that sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I feel the same way with, with slideshows and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know, am I a registered speaker? Yes. Uh-huh. But I, I actually would rather do it if I'm helping somebody work through a problem. Okay, yeah. In other words, if I'm helping a company who's struggling maybe with a merger and, yeah. you know, I can use, um, you know, four base camps and a summit to, to mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, help them, help them, you know, work toward a common goal or something like that. That's I, it. I don't, to sit there and, and talk about, you know, where I've been, what it is, what I saw, all of that is, it's not very interesting. Yeah, it's also linking it to 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 their interests, and then then th- that way you get the engagement as well. Because, you know, if it if it's helping them solve a problem or or using your experience to look, make them look at something in a different way, yeah, I get yeah, that. Correct. So, yeah, correct. So for me, it's 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 more fun and more challenging and more interesting if if I can help somebody do something. Maybe it's an aha moment. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't necessarily have to solve a particular problem, but mm-hmm. but 
you know, there's so much to be learned from exploration that sometimes, sometimes maybe you even need to know a little bit about it to figure out how it can help you, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense too. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, normally like, you know, I'll I'll hear people's TED Talks sometimes. People will send me a TED Talk and say, Mm -hmm. oh, can you, can you, um, you know, tweet this or say something about it? And there's nothing worse than 20 minutes of nothing interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'll be watching this in 20 minutes is a long, long time. Oh, yeah. I mean, some TED Talks just get it, don't they? They just take you on a ride, on a journey. And and the best ones are are a story, you know? Yeah, correct. Yeah. And the the dull ones are where people do the fact, 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 fact thing, you know? And it, yeah, it just dies of death death by powerpoint <laughs> yeah and it's like oh yeah. oh god you know you're looking and you're looking and you're like oh you know what can i possibly like where's the one thing i can say you know and you're, oh it's just so you know those you, you just have to watch out for that because that yeah. can really really you know hurt and so you know i think today's ted talks of you know 20 minutes are you know probably two minutes you know yeah. people want yeah. something quick yeah they want something you know that tells the story in, in a short period of, it's a 30 second elevator speech mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah cool um and so what what do you love doing when you're not exploring or working <laughs> do you have any other hobbies or <laughs> do you have uh, time for any other hobbies <laughs> so what do i like doing or what do i end, what do i end up doing yeah oh, right no I, I was gonna say so, yeah we've got we've all got our chores to do but i just remember is there any other passions you have like painting or photography or you know there's so many things i i would love to learn to do photography uh-huh. is definitely one there's a ton of social media stuff i could definitely get better at <laughs> right but there's you know i think i think time ends up getting um you know sort of eaten up by mm-hmm. you know projects like yeah. you know yeah. th- this upstate house you know my husband's in love with but he's <laughs> it's like as long as he works everything else is is down to me so it's you right know, right it's like you know it's you, you can't just put lights on a lamppost that sits <laughs> outside you have to you have to dig a trench and if yeah. you dig a trench you have to hire a trencher well a trencher is like a giant machine with a chainsaw on the end you oh know it's God. like I, I, I'm the one with like you know all the power tools like sitting in the front yard like right, you know, right. or carrying the five gallon things of water in the house <laughs> or you know and everybody just kind of looks and shakes their head it's like oh there, there she goes again she's you off doing yeah like, another, another project <laughs> yeah it's like honestly you know and, and even something simple like a koi pond you know yeah. it, it, it should be simple but no you know it's, it's, it has to have a thousand trees over it so you know and everything ends up in the koi okay. pond so there I am but yeah you know so I end up with a ton of yard work or yeah or, or a lot of practical or, projects okay yeah, yeah they're, just, they're just no fun so so people are like what are you doing you know it's like aren't you developing a new brand a new website for your book it's like no i've got the trencher digging a ditch with like you know putting lights on a lamp uh, yeah okay so um our first official question what's your first memory of antarctica the, the first memory of antarctica is really starts with Punta Arenas and that's uh-huh. um, that's flights delayed which ah, is okay. very common okay. it's a very common memory of Antarctica because yeah. the, you know 
flights are always delayed because of weather. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it was Thanksgiving, um, you know, which is a U.S. holiday. But um, I was with a bunch of U.S. individuals, and they they were they really wanted turkey, and of course that wasn't going to happen. So, but it's a very meat heavy place. So we had uh, a a big roast or something in in a restaurant, and and they have beautiful red wines. And I had managed to find a stuffed turkey, like just a stuffed animal, and I placed it in the center of the table, and everybody had a big laugh at that. Oh, great. Um, and it was, it was quite fun, and, you know, we sort of celebrated the, the start of the, this was Climbing Vincent, um, and on the back of Climbing Vincent, we were going to go to the now, South Pole. So that is the tallest mountain in Antarctica, is it? It the, is, yeah. because yeah, I saw that you'd done, yeah, the tallest one in every continent or whatever, so, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not it's it's not too technical, but mm-hmm. it is um, it's cold, mm. and it's it's one of two of the seven summits that you pull sleds. Yes. Okay. So you you go from Union um, Gla- Glacier, I think it's Glacier. Union. Yeah. yeah, it was Patriot Hills, and now it's Union um, Glacier. Yeah. Union Base Camp. It's a very common fly. starting point for lots of Antarctic trips. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And that's a well-run camp. Yeah. yeah. You know, ALE runs that, and then they take you to Vincent Base Camp, which is you know a man and a dog <laughs> minus the dog. <laughs> um, so it's it's like a tent, right? You, and, okay. But, but but it's you know it's a place for the um, I think it's McDonnell Douglas, you know, small biplane, you know, right. just drops you down there, but you start pulling sleds from that point on. Wow. Yeah. And so one of two places. And when you're hauling sleds, you know, those you, you got your weight slightly instead of the backpack, you're, you're pulling it more on your waist. Uh-huh. So, um, and I remember the first time I, that was probably the first time I pulled a sled and I didn't realize the brakes were on. Oh, no. Oh, so no. Um, <laughs> I remember the first break, the first time we had a break and somebody looked over and said, <laughs> Hey Vanessa, are your are your brakes on? I was like, oh bloody hell! You, know, like, you could have told me earlier. Like I knew that I knew it was you know hard to pull. How long had you pulled it like that? Oh, better now. You know, probably three kilometers or something. It was like really goes like, a little bit smoother without. Oh my! I mean, it was just like shoot me now. Like, you know. I had like blisters on my heels, you know. I mean, I, I was like determined to get the sled going, but yeah. you know, really with the <laughs> no. brakes. Um, and uh, this is our special question for this podcast, uh, specific to this podcast. If you if you could travel back in time and you could meet Sir Ernest Shackleton, uh, what would you like to ask him? Oh wow! Um, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I, I you know I'm tempted to say, what would you do differently? Ah, okay. Yeah, that's an angle we haven't had before. Um, or what would you have done differently? Now, um, the only reason I hesitate with that is people tend to answer that question by saying probably nothing. Yeah, um, yeah. Because the knowledge that they have gained from doing it the way they did... I see, yeah, yeah. ...gives, gives them their story... However, every once in a while, they also have learned something that showed them a little something else. Yes. Okay. I think particularly, you know, particularly with Shackleton, every every large project he undertook, uh, what came out of it wasn't what he planned. Um, so, I think it, it, 
so I think your question is a really good one for him because, you know, every time he went off to do an expedition, it didn't work out. It didn't achieve its objectives. You know, uh, it, it, it may not have been unsuccessful by some criteria, but it didn't always achieve its the objectives, the original objectives. Yeah. 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 You know, it, 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 so it's interesting. I'm reading this book um, that's not out yet called uh-huh. Made, in Cri- Made in Crisis, and it's about um, how COVID-19 has turned everything upside down. Okay. And, it, and it's, it's actually quite interesting. But they they named Shackleton as one of the uh, as one of the leaders that um, COVID-19 needs. Yes. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Because his focus was so much on on the people. Mm-hmm. And COVID-19's focus is on the people. Okay. Have, have you listened to the podcast that's out? Is what, what would Shackleton do or something? It's a five-episode podcast they've re- released recently, all about uh, COVID-19 and Shackleton's leadership styles and oh, skills. No. I'll, I'll, okay. send, I'll send you the link. It's really worth a listen. Yeah. Okay, I'll definitely yeah. do that. Yeah, okay. So, so this was using that in, in context. And so... Maybe he wouldn't have put the two teams on both sides of the continent of Antarctica to, to hit in the middle of the pole. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. But, but if he had more men in the boat, that wouldn't have helped him either uh-huh, um, uh-huh. on that particular endurance. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know, it's, I, know it's, I get what you're saying, though. You, it, it's Are there things he, he, in retrospect, he would have changed? Yeah, if he could have done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just know that that when people ask that question, it, mm. it's almost I don't know eighty five percent of the time people say no, but every once in a while there's there's a gem that comes out that that they they overlook something or learn something after that said you know what because of that I would have done that and that may and help may help others in the future yeah yeah okay correct. yeah okay yeah I like that that's good. It's a good angle. Right. Um, now, unbelievable truth. Is there something you can tell us about you that we may not expect or would surprise us, maybe? That people don't know about me. That may surprise us about you. So I guess maybe maybe the best and worst thing that ever happened to me are the same. Okay. And that was um, going to Pakistan for the first time in twenty. 15, right. I was told, um, you know, absolutely not to go because in 2013 there was the Nangma uh, Parbat uh, massacre uh-huh. um, with a bunch of inter- an international team that was massacred at base camp. Right. And so I was, um, it didn't matter, you know, whether it was military, civilian, Muslim, Christian, wh- whoever I consulted said don't go. Okay. So that, everybody that telling you not to do something. <laughs> Yeah. Correct. Pa- yeah. Pakistan was unsafe. <laughs> okay. And, and this particular area toward the northern territories where the mountains were, were uh-huh. all, you know, there were Taliban uh, territories. So, yeah. Um, but I decided to go and I changed the, the tone of the question. You know, if, if I go, what advice do you have for me? And it was um, don't be in the wrong place at the right don't be in the wrong place at the wrong time, which yeah. is very specific, and yeah. don't call attention to yourself. Okay. In any, yeah, so in any case, I went anyway, Yeah. and I had, you know, typical of all expeditions, you have a risk assessment, you know, sheet that sort of says, you know, if, if any of these things go wrong. Uh-huh. But something went wrong that I never planned. Oh. And it happened 
you know, right after I landed, checked into the hotel, I was going to meet um, UN women to pick up the flag. And as I left the hotel, I saw these individually um, packaged mints called Mentos. They're soft on the inside, hard shell. Yeah, I know the ones. Yeah. Picked one up, popped it in my mouth, and bit down, and out came a tooth. Oh, oh, that's really, oh, that's really weird. It was absolutely not on any risk assessment sheet. Ah. Um, It was also Ramadan, so no dentist or anything was open, and all I could, all I could think about was high altitude, you know, and the effects of open air on a tooth. Oh yeah, and losing the tooth at that time. Correct. So long story short, um, you know, as I'm going to UN women, um, you know, trying to find the dentist, we we finally find somebody, and long story short, in that dentist's office is um, the, one of the uh, Pakistan army colonels, and um, he finds out what I'm doing, um, thinks I'm very brave, and we switch WhatsApp's numbers and I become, you know, uh, I, I find my protection. How so fantastic. Oh, I love that. One of the best things that could happen. Yeah, I love that story. One of the best things that could I happen. I love that. I love that because in every little thing, you, you never know why it's happened sometimes. And that was obviously meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. So it's, it's kind of one of those. You That's know, great. It's a terrible thing, and it turned out to be a good thing. Yeah. But how would how would I how would I know? Because here I am for for those first hours yeah. thinking yeah. my expedition is is over. Oh crikey! And then all of a sudden, I, a guardian angel appears. That's fantastic. Love that. <laughs> so, okay. Yep, that's, that's probably. You know, one of those strange stories that you you, you don't expect, but yeah. you make lemonade out of lemonade, wow. lemonade kind of thing. Okay, right. One of the fun things, so food, uh, emergency rations. What's your favorite food to take on an expedition, particularly if you were going somewhere like Antarctica? So, favorite food on an expedition. Um, that's hard because... You, you just don't know what you're going to feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, I know one thing I can always eat. <laughs> Definitely not Mintos, sorry. <laughs> not Mintos, no. um, I like those, um, those electrolyte gummy bears. Oh, brilliant. Um, and, you know, they come in different uh, brands. Yeah, but, yeah. But, you know... Uh, Sometimes they're sharkies. Sometimes they're um, uh, uh, goo. I think make a brand of gummy gummy bears, but uh-huh. they're electrolytes. Um, I could just you know eat a ton of those. <laughs> they're easy. Yeah. Um, they're they're sweet sour combination. If I'm going for something protein, then I sort of like the um, you know um, cranberry and walnut mix. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, um, but gummy bears would be a treat. And, yeah, yeah, but, but okay. the electrolyte kind, not, yeah. the, not the real gummy bears. No, no, electrolyte ones. Okay, cool. Um, and is there a, a special item that you like to have with you when you're traveling on expeditions? Uh, always like to have with you a memento or? Well, I, 
I mean, as a woman, I like the pee device. Because <laughs> Always useful. You know, <laughs> yes, the uh, she so, so, or whatever it's called, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's a couple of different brands. Yeah. But, um, you know, those are, those are great. They just pop in your pocket and zip them up and, you know, frankly, yeah. they work for uh, outdoor conference, outdoor, uh, outdoor concerts as well I mean, that's a very honest a very honest and very practical answer well done yeah yes, yes that's, that's the the most practical device you can have with you um you know yeah and uh it's it's perfect i know i normally <laughs> ask i normally ask at this point why is it important but i don't need to ask <laughs> because you have to stay hydrated yeah <laughs> Cool. Um, I like that. Actually, if, if yeah. nobody's climbing, you you can take um you know those those bladders. All right. Um, you know um, mm -hmm. I, I guess if you're not far from the ship, you have access to water anyway. Yeah. But, yeah. You know um the the problem with climbing is they'll freeze and you you can't really take anything mm -hmm. that freezes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, so I I would say that's the most important. And if you're if you're going somewhere where you don't trust the water and you're okay where you are. Yeah. But, yeah. The, the, I like the Steri pen. There's those things, yeah, yeah. And you know, I found I find that they're quite good. There's um, they have that ultraviolet light. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and there hasn't been anywhere so far that that's failed on me. That's good. And you don't have to have the chlor the chlorine or the iodine pill. It, it just works, yeah. It okay. just works, it's but like a filter. It, you know, yeah. Unfortunately, cool. you need a backup battery too. But, okay. And um, yeah. finally, your your thoughts about Antarctica. You know, what's your feelings about Antarctica, and 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 what advice would you give to the young people that are going down there? So I think Antarctica is, you know, it, it's a brilliant um, continent. Uh, it's people don't really know anything about it, so mm -hmm. I think we do need ambassadors to go down there and explain to the um, to the general public what it is because. Mm -hmm. Uh, nobody sees it. It's sitting at the bottom of the globe. People spin the globe, you know, uh, left and right. They never really go up and down, so yeah. nobody sees it. But it's massive. It's massive yeah. in size. Um, you know, people forget that it contains, you know, something like, you know, 90% of the world's ice. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and... Uh, you know, therefore, the drinking water, they, they forget that if that ice were to melt, that mm -hmm. it would raise the ocean floor something like, what is it? It's uh, shocking figures, yeah. Two, two, two yeah. feet or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, um, You know, and although places, I think, are 16,000 feet thick, thick or something like that, there's mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, different types of ice that are forming around the continent. Mm -hmm. um, there was the ozone layer once upon a time that mm. people were afraid of mm. that comes and goes mm. uh, over time. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it's somewhere that that is really unique and special. Uh, it has no you know, indigenous population. Its mm -hmm. sole purpose is scientific research and study. There's a leave no trace, so I, I don't think it has any, mm. Mm. you know, like besides the penguins, mm -hmm. by the Weddell Sea, mm. that there are no... Um, as far as I know, no, no bacteria or, or things like that. that mm -hmm. It's a really pristine place. Right. I, um, I understand it hasn't hasn't got any COVID yet, and I hope it doesn't. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So you know, yeah. um, even I mean, we even took, uh, you know, of course we we take all of our uh, waste out, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and there were there were only certain places that we were allowed to to put urine. Absolutely, um, it's really strict, and I I mean because. 
one of our objectives originally was to take a plaque down there um, to the two scouts from 100 years ago. But we're not even allowed to leave a plaque in Antarctica. So I and I understand that and respect that. So we're, we're going to put it at the Scottish headquarters when we get back. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think they're, they're very, very strict about what you can take in and out. And I understand that. It makes yeah, sense. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you know, they, they, the boots, I think, all, you know, the, even the bottom of the boots go through, like, you know, mats mm, and, mm. you know, stuff that they're, they're washed. Mm. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's just a beautiful, beautiful place. And, yeah. it's, you know, to think that it's been protected from, you know, all, all, the, all the other stuff in the world, mm. you know, um, you know, it, it, it just nothing's migrated there. Yeah, um, yeah, and that, that makes yeah. it really, really special. Mm. Um, so I, I just think some of these things, um, you know, people don't even know that it's 100% dark and, and you know, uh, yeah. Has, yeah. has registered the coldest temperatures during, you know, their winters opposite of our summers. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the light and dark, uh, you know, that there'll be 100% light by the time they go. Yeah, you know, yeah. They, people, people start pecking headlamps and other people will laugh at them and say what are those for <laughs> yeah it's so awesome but also you know it's it's a it's a, it's an arctic desert it only mm-hmm. gets less than one percent of of any sort of precipitation mm-hmm. and the reason i contrast that is because it's it's quite opposite from the arctic because the arctic you can't use down right um, right it has to be synthetic because there's yeah. so much moisture in the air even though it's cold uh, okay yeah it would just so, stay too wet yeah yeah, yeah. There's, okay. there's only two conditions in the north pole if it gets wet it stays wet no matter what it can never dry <laughs> which is the worst right because <laughs> yeah it's it's ice if it's too cold or it's wet wow. it's just it just sucks <laughs> but you know what if going back to Antarctica, at least it's dry cold, yeah, and dry yeah. cold is a much more comfortable cold, and you can use down, and everybody likes down, so you're Got good it. to go. <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh, well, thank you so much. I can't, oh, you brilliant. know, thank I, you so much. Joe. I can't Thanks thank for your you. Can't thank you enough for doing this. Okay. You. Thank you so much. Thank you. Lo- lovely right, to speak to you. Cheers for now. You too. Good luck. <laughs> so thanks for listening. To find out more about the Request 2021 project and how you can support and follow our progress, just visit our website on www.request2021.org.uk. That's www.request2021.org.uk. And uh, please give this podcast a review, share it, and uh, and spread the word to anyone you know who's interested in Antarctica. Thank you.